been weird, hasn't it? It's been real weird. Whether you're quarantined or staying at home or doing whatever, it's just been bizarre. kind of like it in a way. You know, the introvert in me kind of digs it. Hey, this is LTE, podcast brought to you by the Register Guard opinion page. I'm your host, Brendan O'Mara. Hey, hey. Today, we've got a little conversation going on with Jesse Springer. You might know him as the Saturday cartoonist. And so we're going to unpack how he goes about the work, some of his inspirations along the way. Excuse me. And it's kind of a fun conversation. We're finally back in the podcast swing of things. It's uh, I'm recording from my home studio because I do other podcasts outside of the garden. I've got my I got my own little thing here, my own rig. So I'm using my own gear, and it's a. Uh, it's a little weird. It's just, it, I'm, I can't express it any other way than it's a little weird. But hopefully this conversation with this great political cartoonist, Jesse Springer, will uh, give you some ballast, give you some normalcy in this new normal. Is it a new normal? I sure as hell hope not. In any case, here's my conversation with Jesse Springer. How you became a, a cartoonist and how you go about the work? Um, yeah, so how did you get into this kind of this this kind of illustration and, and is certainly doing the kind of political cartoons you do for us? Yeah, well, I've always been a person who drew cartoons in the margins of notebooks and other places where I shouldn't be drawing cartoons. But um, I think that I got into the political piece when I became a political person. And that was essentially when I graduated from college and started living in an apartment and started earning money and paying taxes and, you know, just being an adult, uh, just started to pay attention to whatever, um, the news and, and things that were affecting me. And, and, uh, we, uh, my wife and I moved out to Eugene actually in 1990, which was which was the year I became an adult. Um, and, um, and you know, we were getting the register guard and we were reading about what was going on. And that was right around the time of, I believe it was Measure 5, um, which was one of the, you know, seminal um, property tax limitation bills. And, um, you know, I, I became interested in that and, and other things that came along. And, um just kind of the combination. I just started to care about that stuff, I guess is really the the, the short answer to make a long answer even longer. Uh, I, I, I started to care about it and have ideas about it and opinions about it. And of course I saw editorial cartoons in the newspaper and, and occasionally ideas would pop into my head. And so one day I just started to draw those and, and uh, see what happened. How did you arrive at your particular style of illustration? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'm sure it's, um, you know, just a conglomeration of influences that I've had over the years. Um, uh, I'm a real fan of a lot of different artists, uh, you know, in the editorial cartooning side, uh, Jeff McNelly, the late Jeff McNelly is kind of a classic um, influence. Um, I'm a huge Calvin and Hobbes fan. So, nice. and I love the artwork in that. And when I was growing up, I read a lot of Tintin books. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, so there's, there's, there's probably other influences, but those are, those are some of the main ones. And, and, 
You know, just like any creative endeavor, people say, you know, do your own style, do your own thing. So there's definitely some appropriation and some inspiration from other people. But ultimately, it's, it ends up being just whatever comes out. Um, that's your style, I guess. Yeah. And I'm thinking of like the in- intersection of like a really, you know, beautiful design and style, but also the the wit and the content and the humor and like that perfect mm. overlap of that sweet spot um, of just that, that great design and also the great content um, who strikes that balance perfectly for you. Well, um, you know, it's interesting. I would, I, I really, like I say, I was a fan of Jeff McNally, Jim Borgman when he was still at the Cincinnati Inquirer doing cartoons. I really liked, I'm going to, I'm going to also mention, one of my heroes is Tom Tolles. And, um, you know, he's kind of a fascinating creature to me because um, he really exemplifies one of the main things about political cartooning that I understand to be true, which is that the idea is 90% of it and the art is just 10%. So even though it's a visual form and you can be an excellent artist, you're not really a good political cartoonist unless you write well. And so that's really the key part about editorial cartooning is that it's 90% writing. And, um, and what I love about Tom Tolles is that, um, he deliberately, by the way, he's, he's an excellent artist, but he deliberately, I would say, dumbs down his art and makes it really kind of uh, simplifies it. Um, because I've seen some of his earlier work and it's, and it's actually, he can do, um, something more fine and deliberate than what he does. But, um, I just love it. It's kind of like a deadpan delivery of a of a beautifully written joke is how he does it, and 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 I just really admire him for that. And um, but he's a really good example of uh, of 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 how and why writing is is really the key. Yeah, there are um, a, a handful of illustrators come to mind who have pretty like crude drawing styles that are kind of drawn down, like uh, mm-hmm. Brian Ray. Like he mm-hmm. can do like photorealistic drawings, but he has a very sort of whimsical, almost childlike way that he publishes. Um, same with Liana Flick and even Linda Berry, I think they, yeah. they're fully capable of doing, you know, these, you know, brilliant, almost pastoral things. But it comes down to the writing and the wit and also just kind of uh, like you said, kind of, uh, you know, dumbing down the drawing so the writing can shine. Yeah, and dumbing down is is probably I, that was my choice of words. Probably not that generous. I mean, like I think of Linda Berry, and and it's just very stylized. Like she's kind of developed a style that's all her own. Um, that you know, it, like I say, it's stylized. It's not realistic, um, but it's it's all her own, and and it is simplified. When I say stylized, it's simplified that way too. Yeah, and so what kind of research goes into the the process behind which you uh formulate and synthesize a cartoon yeah um well i'm just the research is all about gathering news and the process starts i have a i have a deadline that was in um that was handed down to me from uh jack wilson who was a couple editors ago from you um and he said uh for our saturday cartoon uh i want to have it by 3 p.m on thursday and so on Thursday morning is when I really start to gather news in earnest. I mean, I'm reading the paper uh, mostly through the week, and but 
there's a timeliness to editorial cartoons that's important. And so I found that to focus in really deeply doesn't make a lot of sense until you come to that morning of the deadline. And so that morning, I'm looking at stuff really carefully. I'm remembering some things, some articles from later in the week, and I'll go back to those if I need to. And then I go online and I type in Oregon to the Google search and hit the news tab and just start um, going through what it is. About half of them under normal circumstances are about the Oregon Ducks, um, those, those news articles. So you, so depending on whether or not you want to do a sports cartoon, you're going to have to, um, sift through those. But, um, anyway, uh, so that's, that's really the, the news gathering. And so I'll just write, I'll just have a blank sheet of paper and I'll just start writing down the news items that, um, that I want to think about. And, and, topic selection is really a key part of the whole process um, because you don't want to invest your time in a topic that doesn't interest you or or isn't important to other people and so that's that's kind of that's sort of it's the intersection of those two things that really defines for me whether or not it's going to be a viable topic do I care about it and do other people care about it? And have other people heard about it? Because there's kind of a shared knowledge, a shared context that you rely upon with a cartoon like this um, for people to get it. And so you, you could have something that you really care about, but if nobody knows about it, then it's not going to resonate with people. And um, yeah, so those are the things. And then, and then I guess the only other thing that people may or may not know, because a lot of people talk to me and they know I do cartoons and they say, oh, that Trump, he's doing a lot. You know, you must be having fun with that. And and I, I have to re- remind people or tell people that I only do Oregon topics. That's um, part of my business model uh, for drawing cartoons because I um, distribute my cartoons to other papers in, around the state. And um, I found out uh, at some point in my career that that was going to be my niche. That was that was how it was going to be at least somewhat economically viable for me to draw cartoons was to specialize that way. Yeah, that gets to the core of what Seth Godin might call the smallest viable audience or um, you know, being a meaningful specific to a uh, mm. a, a smaller audience versus trying to be a broad generality to, you know, uh, some somebody in Kansas. And that could be fine, but, like, you can really carve out – you can be the Oregon cartoonist or, you know, one of the hundreds uh, across the country. And, that, and that's a great idea that you were able to kind of drill down on that and be like, yeah, I'm going to be meaningful to this four million people versus the whole country. Right. And it was as much economic as it was anything else um, because because of the way um, editorial cartoon syndication works. You know, you're I don't really know exactly what it is, but Jack basically said, hey, look, I'm getting this Pulitzer Prize winning cartoon, um, you know, for like whatever, a dollar a cartoon or something. I don't really know what it is, but something very. And so how can I charge him, you know, uh, 25, 35, whatever dollars for a cartoon that I would draw, you know, on the same topic. It just didn't pencil out, uh, for him. (laughs) And, and so that was part of it. And then the other part of it was, um, 
you know, unfortunately, the decline of the newspaper in the face of uh, news aggregation on the web, and that hit um, editorial cartoonists particularly hard. So in the heyday of political cartooning, um, and I'm talking about earlier in the 20th century, there were probably, there were some hundreds of cartoonists that were full-time employees of newspapers, and now there are probably 30, something like that. Yeah, yeah, they're pro- probably someone like, you know, Bill Bramhall out of New York or something. Yeah, a few. It's it might be, yeah, like you said, it's a very small number that are doing it and it's yep. a, and it's a mill. It is a content mill that they're just kind of cranking out sometimes two or three of those a day. Right. Right, just to sort of just to justify their existence. Yeah. Yeah, and and so d- over the course of, of your work, is there a particular subject matter that has always struck you as a as it just always uh, strikes your taste and uh, or or a favorite person that you've uh, over the years loved to kind of pick on the way Bram Hall kind of picks on Trump with the flat head and the long tie <laughs> and the duck tail kind of hunched over. Right. Um, you know, it's funny because caricature is a skill that um, I've developed over the years, but it's not one that I feel like I was innately born with for whatever reason. So I can draw other things, but the caricature, the skill of caricature, I admire greatly. And I've done some good caricatures over the years of some people, but I would say that, um, I would say it's more of an issue and it has to do, you know, again, focusing just on Oregon, I would have to say that the issue I come have come back to the most is PERS. Um, which is, you know, kind of this generational um, dilemma that that the state has is facing in the middle of facing, and and it's just it's this intractable problem that uh, is not going to go away, in a, you know, for another fifteen twenty years, and um, it it really um, it's and it's tricky because you know, there's arguments on all sides of it. It's, I, I don't take a, you know, a, a viewpoint on sort of one side or the other. Um, but it's just, uh, it's just a really tough nut to crack. And so that's one that I've, that I've gone back to quite a bit. And given like uh, writing or in cartooning, like the, just the overall process of it in the, the nature of freelancing and creating this kind of stuff, it can be kind of a slog. And of constantly having to churn stuff out, you know, tracking down invoices, uh, all that stuff. So what keeps you coming back to the drafting board and uh, how do you inject that kind of uh, fun into it? So you're always coming back with, um, you know, with energy to your work. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, uh, I, I just I feel privileged, actually, to be able to voice my opinion and have it, um, you know, printed in the newspaper where, I don't know, thousands, tens of thousands, whatever, uh, people are going to see it and, and look at it. And, uh, and, and I, and I, I, I see it as a privilege and a responsibility. And that's part of how I approach what I do. I really try not to be, um, too strident. Uh, obviously I do have a political leaning and I do have an opinion and you can't be afraid to voice that as a, as, um, as an editorial cartoonist or as an opinion writer, but I try to be fair and I try to, um, I try to imagine, uh, um, so I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag. Um, I, I tend towards liberal, uh, politics. Um, but 
but I try to imagine uh, driving out on uh, Highway 99 um, from Eugene, say, to Corvallis, and you go through Monroe and some of those places, and I see these green register guard, um, you know, whatever they're called, the, the newspaper bins that they have out by the mailbox. And I kind of – I try to imagine that person that's there that maybe is on the opposite side of the political spectrum from me. And what would their take be on what I'm drawing? And so I just, I just, like I said, I'm not afraid to say what I want to say, but I want to be fair about it. I don't want to hit people over the head just to hit people over the head. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, well, Jesse, you're, I always look forward to around Thursday, Thursday afternoon when your weekend cartoon comes in, uh, download it right away. And, and I'm always happy, like, Super excited to get it onto the the budget for the weekend. So um, yeah. So in any case, it's always always a pleasure to see your work, and it was great to I appreciate that. Yeah, and great and great to talk to you and kind of unpack how you go about the work a bit. So hopefully, this will be the first of uh, maybe many conversations we can have with respect to uh, you know the, your your work and your cartoons. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. <laughs>